Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk about another one of these Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Sorry, I'm just seeing myself on the camera. <laughs> For those of you at home, I shaved my beard, but I left this mustache that makes me look like Sal from Sal's automotive hot dog and pizza. Like, you know, like, I, <laughs> servicing all of your minivan and pizza needs on Route 22 and, you know, we hawking. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, the, the important part of this, about... the important part of this choice too is like you could have shaved like the ends of your mustache so that you had yeah. like a, a but no you left you left the uh, the long parts so you know yeah for 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 just like a little handlebar action yeah. not the full handlebar you know that's trashy that's too trashy for for Sal's automotive hot dog and pizza right we we have to we can only be classy with our half handlebar mustache anyway. Oh, God. Every time I see it. Anyway, today we're talking about Furious 7. Very, you know, on topic for Sal's. It's Sal's favorite movie, actually, of all time. Um, directed by Justin Lin. Came out in, like, 2015, I want to say. Um, you know, somewhere in the 2010s. Um, really just... What a, what a, God, what a, what a picture. James, I'm sorry, I didn't say Justin Lin. Directed by James Wan. This is actually the first one that Justin Lin hasn't directed since Tokyo Drift, right? He did Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, uh, Fast Five, and then um, Fast and Furious Six. Uh, so Furious Seven is the first time that, you know, he steps away from the director's chair. Uh, James Wan comes in, famous horror director for a long time. This movie made a billion dollars and was the reason that James Wan would go on to direct Aquaman. Uh, it folds in a ton of different action, like Star Bars, uh, with like real bona fides, um, uh, you know, like Jaimon Honsu, uh, Tony Jaa is in this uh, from the Ong Bak movies. Uh, Ronda Rousey is in this and she sucks. Um, there's Kurt just, like, Russell. A bunch. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Yes. Uh, well, like I saw know. that. I was like, who the fuck is he going to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, we're going to we're going to talk about it. This is maybe some of the most movie that I've ever seen in my life, Mango, in a single in a single picture, right? Not best, but just most. You know, there is just a, a lot of movie crammed in this movie. That is true. I will grant you that. <laughs> um how do I want to talk about this? So, I guess our pre-spoiler impressions. Um I did not like this quite as much as I liked uh the last one, Fast Six. Um, really? I think, Interesting. I think maybe this is like, I can't watch too many of these in a row, which we've been doing. Because, um, <laughs> like, Six was, like, really a big leap up for me, right? Like, this, that was, like, the nonsense is in the stratosphere. This feels like it's maybe a little bit... Like, this movie is straight up a superhero movie, right? Like, this is not even, like, the traditional kind of, like, you know... Um, you know, uh, you know, there's superpowers as cars. It's literally Vin Diesel is a superhero. He can lift a car and like, you know, survive and like stomp and like destroy a parking garage. Like, um, I guess I guess this is spoilery, so I'm, I apologize for that. But like, <laughs> but like Vin Diesel and at some at some level Hobbs um, and some like the rest of the crew is a little bit better. But like we are getting into like. Like. Like, straight superhero stuff, right? Like, this would, like, you know, if you called Vin Diesel, like, Carman, and, like, got Kevin Feige to produce it, right? Like, 
it would just this would not be a miss out in, in you know the MCU, right? Like this, this is where it gets a little bit much for me. Um, but it was still fun. I still enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that's I guess you know. I like. I think I like it better than most of the earlier movies. Um, I I think I'd put it about level with five. Um, a little disappointed that um, the Drift King only had like a small cameo. Uh, yeah, but you know, that's what it is. I guess. Does he ever come back? Uh, do you really want me to answer that? No, no, I don't. <laughs> yes. Okay, um, yeah, I love Furious 7 on, in one way, and I sort of hate it in others. I think Furious 7 is, um, it simultaneously got some of the best moments in the Fast and Furious series, right? Many of them I will end up recounting on this podcast, because I just think they are so fucking awesome that I can't not recount the events. For those of you who have not, in fact seen this seen this movie but at the same time it also has a lot of issues and is kind of the point at which i almost wish i was dumber you know you remember so in community there's an episode where abid references or maybe jeff references jumping the shark right and at the end of a conversation troy gets really offended and he says you know in an episode of happy days fonzie literally jumped over the shark and it was the best one right I sort of wish I could be Troy while watching this movie because I think I would love it more, right? I almost feel like I'm I'm almost sort of too smart for for to to fully enjoy this movie to the to the extent that I want to. Okay, because there's a Mr. lot of stuff coastal elitist. <laughs> well, no, I mean like because there's a lot no, of stuff I that I do really that I do really like and that I do really like uh connect with sort of the drive on, but I think um some of the some of the I, this is the one that has the kind of the shakiest and worst plot construction in my in my estimation, right? I actually think it does pretty well with the characters overall. There's a little bit of flanderization, which I don't love, um, but you know, there's yeah. a lot of stuff in there um, with a couple of different characters, all of whom sort of get their get their kind of like moment to shine. Um, not least of which is you know dearly departed Paul Walker, who died just after the filming of this of this movie. And this movie is his, you know, his send-off in the, you know, um, in the Fast and Furious sort of franchise and 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 lore. Um, but there's a lot of stuff on the plot level that does get on my nerves. Um, and it breaks some of the rules that I feel like the Fast and Furious movies had been sort of sticking to, right? Um, Which are very loose in general, right? Like, I will go to bat, to a certain extent, for some of the plot-centric creative license that Six indulges in, right? Oh, how do they get from... London to Spain. They say it's an eight hour thing. They show up there with cars. They just happen to be on the right, you know, like on the right bridge in the right, whatever, you know, like we could talk about any of these sort of like kind of shaky sort of plot moments, but overall I think that kind of stuff works and I would go to bat for it. I wouldn't really go to bat for a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie um, where, you know, characters are kind of just appearing out of thin air for no reason, somehow completely unexplained. Right. Um, And, you know, that stuff gets gets a little bit on my nerves. Uh, we also have indulged a little bit more in CGI car fest in this one, which is not my favorite thing, as you know previously established. Right, there is a raw joy to watching the tank in six just fucking pancake these cars on a highway in Puerto Rico. There is less joy 
in some of the stunts that were not that right um it's still more than in sort of four right and we're and we're not quite in like the true nadir of cgi bullshit um but there's there's a good amount of cgi bullshit in this one that i did not i did not love and also um this is the one where the rock and vin diesel fucking hated each other and i think that really sucks and it hurts the movie and this is not something i would normally comment on but it has really affected me this this specific run of watching them the first time i knew about this feud but this time around watching it in action uh does kind of bum me out yeah no i mean i i i also like it occurred to me that hobbs is in like very little of this film um also weirdly seems like like you know again knowing the feud behind it there were a couple scenes where it was like i wonder if he like wanted to make like because he like does some relatively significant things at the tail end of this movie when he comes back into the plot right um and it feels like Maybe they did that because he want like like did the Rock demand that he be the person to do this even though he's like not the appropriate character to do that in this instance, um, type of deal. Yep. But no, I see I see what you're saying. Um, I will say though before we get to the spoiler section, it, for long listening view or long long running listeners, I guess is the right way to put it. Uh, well, no, at the end of the last episode, it was like, how does she not remember anything? And Buddy told me that he didn't think it would address this in the entire B-plot of this movie. Given how bombastic the A-plot is, I think Buddy could be forgiven for forgetting it. But they do address it. Um, and that, like, puts a lot to, like, that was, like, not that I was, like, psychically stressed over it, but it was, like, a big thing. It's like, how do they not address this? And they do. So, you know, that's, uh, and they do it, they do it well, um. That's one of the moments I'm going to want to talk about is, is kind of like the, the last moment of the, the movie. People people who are watching the stream will will see what I mean because um, this is the title of the stream. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, um, I'd give it like, you know, I'd give this a uh, conditional thumbs up, I guess. Right. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, um, okay. Well, where do you want to? Well, spoiler yeah. warning for this movie. Right. We're okay. Slowly creeping towards the present day, so you know this one is is only eight years old at this point. <laughs> um, uh, so spoilers for this and any of the previous movies in the series. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, what do you want to talk about first, actually? Because I don't want to lead off with my thing because it's like very towards the end of the movie. Okay, uh, I guess the early stuff that I want to talk about, hmm, it is funny that the B-plot is actually some of the stuff that I would say is better, right? Yeah. The character work I was expecting to hate, because this is something I sort of shat on last time, um, where, you know, the characters are pretty flanderized, there's no real arcs at play, right? There's a little bit of sort of, like, drama about, like, where who, who Letty is gonna kind of be on board with or whatever, um... But ultimately, it's just kind of, here's a bad guy, go fight the bad guy, right? right? It's most of what this is. But there's two characters in here who get really significant arcs. The first one being Brian, where he feels a pull to go back to, you know, sort of the life of an action superhero, basically. Um, you know, there's a quote that gets brought up a bunch of times where he was talking about his new domestic minivan life. And um, in that, they talk about how, or in that, he talks about how the thing, he, he, doesn't, miss, he doesn't miss the cars, he doesn't miss the girls. He misses the bullets, right? You, and you get the kind of this, like, thrill-seeker thing going. Um, and By over the, way, the course of the movie... His, his opening was fucking great. 
right? Like him in the car, and then like mm-hmm. shoot it like he's gonna fucking drive, and it's him in the minivan dropping off yeah. his son at school. Like that, that that was that was really well done. I I really like that. Um, hold on, uh, I gotta write a thing down real quick. Uh, you're also digging out a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure my my tapa is is like coming in on the on the keyboard, which I sort of feel bad about. Uh, I just I need to write down some of the moments of the movie that I care about talking about the most because they're so cool, but also dumb. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, no, no, so the, the keyboard I, I, is what I was referencing. Go on. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay, so, um, and then there's this stuff with Letty, right? Where Letty feels uh, like, you know, Dom has this whole history with her, and he's trying to jog her memory, right? But she doesn't remember any of it, um, and she's clearly kind of on the outside looking in when it comes to sort of, uh, like, this group that another version of her sort of connected with. Now, I will say that part of that is sort of, like, taken for granted. Letty never really had a real connection to, for instance... um, Roman and Tej, right? Uh, or, like, Hobbs or anybody else. Um, but, like, obviously her, her connection to Brian and to Vin Diesel is, is like, is real. Um, also, you know, the the stuff that they do in order to set this up early in the movie is a lot of fun, right? Um, so, you know, like, Letty is at her, is like, is at her own gravesite. Right, and she's having this conversation with, um, with Vin Diesel, and then they would eventually go on to bury Han, right? Um, because in the in the space between six and seven, you find out that Shaw is the person who crashed the Mercedes into Han when he's street racing in Tokyo, um, to you know, in order in order to kill him, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know. I, I that that's that's where I want to just uh, something I wanted to I wanted to shout out is this character stuff that I think that I think works pretty well. Honestly, even like Ro- like uh, Roman and Tej, I I sort of like them a lot in this movie. They they kind of become this comedy duo, which I feel like they were setting up in the last movie. Like they kind of start with that a little bit, but in this one, they're really going into it, and it works for me. Yeah, um, they're the R two D two and C three PO of of mm-hmm. these films, right? Uh, with Tej being the R2-D2, pretty clearly. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, I do think that that goes along with some flanderization, right? Like, Roman is... Vi- like, Roman has, has has been, like, flanderized pretty hard, um, like, since his, like, first appearance, I feel like. But that's, you know, it's fine for comic relief characters. just, don't, you know, it can be a little bit much sometimes. Um, although he does always get, like, a moment, right, to, to kind of be Roman, right? Like... You know, oh, you need to go distract people by being a jackass, and he does this for us, right? Like, and I, I, I think that works, right? Um, especially since they kind of like they do clearly kind of value him for it, right? Like, you know, we need him to do this, and he does it, right? Um, so I think that works, uh, even if, and you know, they they also play some of those moments well, right? Like Roman, you know getting screwed up on the parachute. Like, it's the most predictable thing in the world, right? Oh, he doesn't land with the rest of the crew. He's going to come back at some other point, at a pivotal moment, and, like, do a cool thing. And he does, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So, you know. Um, it's, this movie is played so straight. Like, this is a general theme with these movies, but it is played so straight that, like, it keeps throwing off my kind of, like, like, uh, my, plot det- like my plot trope detectors, right? Like... Um, I keep ex- expecting a rug pull that like n- like doesn't like when there was the car that uh, is at Han's funeral 
right? Like, that drives away. And Vin Diesel goes after him like, oh, the, th- the, the twist here is going to be it's Giselle. Right, like that Giselle somehow oh. survived or whatever, right? But oh it was Shaw, God. and it was like played super fucking straight, right? And then when they were talking about the hacker named Ramsey, I'm like, it's a woman, it's Giselle, right? Like I can't, I th- I'm convinced that Giselle's <laughs> gonna come back. So, <laughs> um, so you know, I but like you know, obviously, that, I mean, I was right about the woman thing because like that 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 is like you know that is like peak. You know, kind of like mid two thousand, and like they they even play that like so super fucking straight, right? Like Roman being like. Hackers aren't supposed to look like that, right? Like, like you know, it's it's like just so so obvious, and it's you know, I guess the the charitable way to put it is it's very very sincere, right? Like that's the way <laughs> yeah. you've been describing it. Um, yeah, like you know, that definitely carries forward. There are some sort of lines in this movie that are patently ridiculous. Okay, that they 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 make. No fucking sense in the first place, but they are uttered with the most die-hard, unflinching sincerity that you just kind of have to accept them as true. There's a part where Vin Diesel is talking to Shaw, and he says, that's the thing about street races, the street always wins. The fuck does that even mean? What does that mean? And right, that's when then, he stomps like, the ground and the yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> Okay, I want to do this. Okay, first, okay. I didn't think of I should have done this beforehand, but I have I have written down my top five greatest movie moments in this in this film, okay? Of crazy bullshit that happens that I am just like I can't believe I can't believe this is real. I can't believe they put this in a movie. But I've 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 always wanted a movie to put this in a movie. Okay. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to point out that that entire fucking scene with like the street <laughs> always wins is ludicrous. Cause like they're like, all right, take the shot. And, like you know, Shaw's in the way. I guess our friendship's over. And like they launch the missile and it lands behind both of them. Like <laughs> they just miss. <laughs> Like I, but like it's not like one. It's not even like they cut back to him. He's like, "Damn, I missed" or whatever, right? It's just literally like you know, uh, take the shot, and they take the shot without any problems, and they land not on them. So you know, that's the thing, I guess, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there. Okay, to talk about some of these moments, some of these are so fucking ridiculous that I can't really. I I feel like I don't even think people are gonna believe me. When I, when I say, okay, so for instance, this one isn't even real. This is an honorable mention. This moment doesn't make my top five moments in this movie, okay? Which is they're driving through the streets of Los Angeles, right? Because they know they have an international terrorist mercenary cell on their heels trying to get Ramsey for contrived reasons. And they're like, well, if we're going to fight them, let's fight them on our home turf. And they go back to Los Angeles, okay? And they're driving around the streets of Los Angeles and they are being attacked by the mercenaries in a stealth missile-equipped attack helicopter in on the streets of Los Angeles and a drone, okay? Like a predator drone. Like a literal predator drone, right? Like they even call it a predator, right? Like, yeah. 
And there is a moment where the Predator, there, there's all this stuff happening with the Predator. They're trying to keep keep away with Ramsey so that Ramsey can hack the helicopter mid, you know, car thing or whatever. They're doing they're doing a hot potato where they're they're swapping from car to car and the in the you know in the middle of all of the 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 missiles and the LAPDs chasing after them. There's all these car wrecks and everything like that. And there's a part where the Rock has shown up, okay, and he's driving an ambulance and he drives an ambulance off of a bridge. Right as the drone is coming out from a tunnel under the bridge, the ambulance crashes into the drone. By the way, the most immune to car accidents ever superpower is in full force here. Like, several brutal deaths should have happened in the car accidents in this movie that just don't. They just don't. They walk away. They're fine. Car accidents don't hurt you. There's a But, but the, the ambulance crashes into the Predator drone, okay? It flips onto his side. The Rock walks out of the windshield like he's walking through a door. He pulls out his gigantic Magnum revolver and he aims it at the 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 camera of the Predator drone that we've been seeing through because like the camera has been going into the drone's POV in order to show us chasing you know as the drone. Where it puts the where he puts that magnum and he double taps the fucking drone and then they put a line where the one soldier says like sir we lost the drone he double tapped it or whatever and I was just like I can't believe this movie is real and that it doesn't even crack the top five mango okay that doesn't even crack the top five all right let, 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 give, give me your top five then okay number number five another another moment. <laughs> crazy moment after the funeral they're at Han's funeral in Los Angeles Shaw shows up but you don't know it's Shaw at first it's just this car it's this thing you thought it was Giselle Vin Diesel chases after Shaw they end up in this in this underground garage facing one another okay by, by the way and apparently no one notices that Vin Diesel is running away from the funeral and driving after him, right? Like, like like it would be better but they keep cutting back to Brian being like Oh, the only the last funeral is gonna be his, right? Like you know Shaw's, right? Like, and then like D Vin Diesel's just like driving out of there, while well, apparently no one else notices this is happening. But anyway, continue. <laughs> and they have a pretty good car chase. Maybe maybe some of the best stuff in the movie, right? Very very like real car chase through the streets of Los Angeles. Though it does that thing of we're driving down one street and then it cuts to taking a right turn onto another street, fifteen miles away. <laughs> um. And they end up in this underground garage, facing each other. Shaw's in a Maserati. Vin Diesel is in a Dodge Charger muscle car, right? And they start driving at one another at the highest possible speeds. Classic game of chicken, right? Classic game of chicken. Who blinks? Neither. They fucking full-on head-on collision into one another. And then they walk out. And they walk out. Shaw, like, cracks his neck. He's like, oh, whiplash? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at least you know at least he has like he has a reinforced frame right like he has some sort of excuse right yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Diesel, just like that's the way they built muscle cars i'm not a bitch right like, <laughs> this by the way another honorable mention that i want to shout out comes back in the very end of the movie when shaw and hot or shaw and um and dom are at on, a, on the top of a parking structure and they are driving at one another at the highest possible speeds. But in this one, Dom has a, a trick up his sleeve, which is that he has so much insane, I guess, torque, right? Is what is what'll do that to your yeah. car. In in his um rear. 
rear axle. Yeah, in his rear rear wheel drive, that he actually does a wheelie and that he crashes on top of Hobbs's. I'm sorry, Shaw's car. Right. Um, very cool callback, but the first time was better just because it was so what the fuck well, that they just literally crash into one so, another. So that second one is is like ridiculous because like so the so they get out of the car right and like. Um, I think Shaw pulls out a gun. It's like, were you expecting a street fight, right? Oh my God, wait, 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 Mango. Can I just pause you there, please? Go. Because it comes up later in the list. <laughs> the thing I think you're about to reference. <laughs> well, this this is this is what directly... Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll let you go for it. And if, if it doesn't... Okay. Happen, I'll call back. Okay, so that's number five. Okay, that's number five. That's the lowest one on this list. Number four is Tony Jacques kicking Paul Walker down a oh, door... And they fall down a stairway backwards for multiple flights of stairs, just punching and kicking each other. Uh, this is riding some the of the door like a sled. That's the important riding part. the door like a toboggan. Yep. Yes. <laughs> this is the kind of thing. This is the kind of thing that I love about the Fast and Furious movies. Mini bosses. They have these little mini bosses. He doesn't right? even have a name. Tony, he just shows. He doesn't up. even have a name. He shows up and he has this one v one thing with. It's a little bit like Carla. What, what, what was her name? Carla. Gugino or something oh, like K that from last movie? Uh, Gina Car Carino. Oh, Gina, Gina, yeah, okay, yeah, Gina Carano. Um, uh, it's a little bit like her. Like, she had a one-to-one -one thing with Letty in the last movie. Now, Paul Walker has this one-to-one -one thing with Tony Ja in this movie. Um, and they actually have some pretty sweet action scenes. One of them is in a bus, right? This one is at the top of, like, a construction building or whatever. And there's this whole thing where, where, Brian is running up a flight of stairs to try and like beat Tony Jaw. Tony Jaw does all this insane parkour to actually beat him to the top of the stairs. He jumps onto a pole and like spin kicks Brian through the door he just walked out of. And then the door collapses off of its hinges and starts flying down the, you know, the long staircase that they were, that, that he was like running up. And they're just like beating the shit out of each other. Perfect. No notes. What a fantastic action like scene oh, yeah. thing. The, the 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 only thing I was thinking of there was like like look, like I am pretty sure no one built a staircase like that, right? Like you mm -hmm. they generally hatch back on themselves. Um yep. I was thinking about that for like half a second and I'm staring at him like, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe the staircase really like <laughs> that's that's the yeah, magic of these movies. Like give me <laughs> you to question it, that maybe you were wrong that maybe you, they actually do build a gigantic long stairwell just like that yeah yeah oh yeah. my god anyway yeah continue. and it also ends in the perfect action movie way right which is someone which is when the villain hits you with a zinger okay right when you're about to kill that villain you hit them with a zinger okay F famous with the same zinger with the, with the exact same zinger right for instance in man of seal a good example of this man of seal there's a moment where uh, Zod's first lieutenant, uh, whose name escapes me, Ursa, uh, I want to say the the woman, right? She there is a there's a downed helicopter pilot. He's just a regular old human. He pulls out his gun, his handgun, and he shoots until his clip is empty. And then um, and then she gets close to him, and she is a Kryptonian. She's gonna like 
we've seen the damage these guys can do. And she says, a good death is its own reward, right? And then Superman flies in and saves his life because this is this is when Superman is fighting on behalf of the humans and they're going like, to kind of team up. At the very end of the movie where Christopher Maloney is flying a military jet with like the crazy bomb thing into the spaceship that's going to do whatever, she flies into the spaceship from behind and she's, you know, fl- she's, you know, attacking her way up to the pilot seat. And when she gets to the pilot's chair, she's just a second too late. And that same soldier looks back at her as he's like nose dives the plane into the thing and he says a good death is its own reward perfect this is action movie 101 every instance of this is always the best okay tony ja in the bus fight scene he there there's a part where the bus crashes and it's careening toward a cliff right it's going to go over the cliff and so he and paul walker are both scrambling to escape out of the back of the bus which has been blown off through car gymnastics because this is the kind of movie that we're in tony ja gets to the end of the bus faster and he locks a, a gate behind him and he says too slow to paul walker as he as he jumps out of the out of the bus and paul walker has to like do this whole thing that's like basically uh a copy of the bus shit that happened in Jurassic Park 2. At the end of the at the end of this whole thing with the fight, they're near an open elevator shaft with like a with like a spool of rope on a big, you know, coil or whatever. And and Paul Walker grabs a carabiner, hits the guy's belt with it, and then he kicks the coil of rope over to the open elevator shaft and and he hits and he hits Tony Jaa with that too slow. And he, as he gets whipped out, you know, into fall to his death or whatever. Perfect. No notes. I love every moment of this, right? But still, even that, number four on the list, okay? Number four, okay? Number three, very simple. The attack, there's this crazy attack helicopter, right? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Did he get it from the attack? He gets it from the helicopter. There's two attack helicopters, now that I think about it. Okay, crazy attack helicopter gets shot down, okay? Um, oh, no, 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 I'm lying. After The Rock has double-tapped the Predator drone, right, what does he do? He reaches down, and he gets the minigun attached to this drone, and with only the might in his gigantic, you know, superhuman arms, rips that minigun off of the drone, including its, like, belt clip or whatever, and he starts walking down a street in Los Angeles, and he finds this, you know, the helicopters that the bad guys are in who are aiming at, you know, Dom and Shaw fighting on the roof of this of this parking garage. And in order to buy, I mean, I don't even know, it's it's not even in order, but in the moment this where this works out, he is buying Shaw and Dom time to face off. The Rock fires this minigun with just his bare hands, and it is the most perfect thing The Rock has ever done with a gun in any movie ever. Okay, which is hold this, this like huge minigun meant for a vehicle as he's shooting a, you know, as he's shooting a helicopter in midair. I don't think anyone has ever seen a gun less suited to the rock and his frame than that minigun. That's it. Very simple. Number, number that, that's three. That's a reference to like um, Terminator, right? It's got to be. Like, yeah, I, know I feel like those, before, yeah. Right, you know, like, or, maybe, or maybe Commando. Um. That might be, that might be, you know, like that, but that, you know, man holding the minigun, because a minigun is not supposed to be a carried weapon, right? Like, this is like a trope yeah. at this point, right? Like, um, which is funny, because, like, it's not supposed to be a carried weapon, but I think most gamers know it, like, most pop culture has it as a carried weapon, because it was supposed to, it's like one of those weird things where, like, people don't realize it's supposed to be an emplaced or a mounted gun, um, but people don't know that. Yeah, but, because, like, because I, I play Fallout, and in Fallout there is a minigun. Fallout, Doom, Team Fortress, you know. right, like, um, Halo, 
right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, continue. Continue. Yes. Uh, number two on the list, which brings us back to that same parking garage, okay? Right after uh, Shaw and Dom have crashed into each other, okay? We watched Dom take a shotgun. And he saw he made he made a sawed off shotgun and he aims his shotgun down through the bottom of his, of his car and he shoots at Shaw and he misses right and then Shaw takes a, a, a pistol out and he shoots up at Dom but the, but he misses Shaw is out of ammo Vin Diesel reloads right this is a callback to the very first scene that, that they had where they crashed into one another where Dom pulls out a sledgehammer the same sledgehammer by the way that he was going to use to like break up Letty's tombstone because he wanted her to like not think of herself as dead anymore and he was like uh uh and then Shaw pulls out a gun right, right. And, and Shaw says oh you thought this was going to be a street fight right <laughs> in a callback to that moment Shaw gets out of his car he picks up a just like a piece of shrapnel from his car essentially just like a long thin piece of whatever brandishes it like he's going to you know beat dom over the head with it okay dom walks out with his sawed off shotgun and then he says to and then he says to shaw you thought this was going to be a street fight you're right and then he fires the gun in the middle of the air and he picks up two wrenches okay and he brandishes them with the same purpose and intent and gravitas that like Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker use in a fucking Star Wars lightsaber duel. Okay. The same, the same thing when you see Yoda flip on his lightsaber in Attack of the Clones for the first time is what happens when you watch Dom pick up a fucking wrench <laughs> and, and hold, he actually takes two and he has, he's like dual wielding these, these wrenches and then Shaw picks up another piece of shrapnel. They're both just fighting. He's fighting with two pieces of shrapnel. And then they have this like weird sword showdown where they're basically sword fighting, but with blunt instruments related to cars. Okay. That's number two. <laughs> number one. All of Los Angeles is burning. There's this insane fucking helicopter on the loose. Breaking news pops into The Rock's hotel room. Earlier in the movie, The Rock fought, Hobbs fought Shaw in like some Los Angeles office somewhere. Shaw set off a, off a grenade or a mine or something that blows Hobbs out of a third story window and he lands on a car and he breaks his arm. Okay, so his whole arm is in a cast. Okay. Then he sees this breaking news thing. He gets up, he looks out the window to watch this helicopter, like, shoot a missile at, like, a cell phone tower in downtown Los Angeles or something. The Rock's daughter is there, and he says something like, Daddy's gotta go to work, okay? And then he flexes so hard that he cracks open his cast and then rips it off with his other hand. This might be... The best moment in all of cinema history. I don't know that someone could point me to a moment in a movie that is better than The Rock flexing off his cast of the broken arm that he is supposed to have. And then going out and wielding a minigun by, you know, shooting this fucking Predator drone in, in the face with, with his huge revolver or whatever. Like, I can't... This is... This is this is what the movie is. This is just like the the, the thing about this movie is you have to appreciate this stuff. We didn't talk about them driving the car between buildings in 
I guess it's not Dubai. It's Abu Dhabi, it's right? Abu Dhabi, yeah. Um, we didn't talk about any of the stuff that's happening. I, I in... was gonna say I've I've got a couple I've got a couple that aren't on your list. That I, <laughs> you, what 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 is on what is on your list? All right, so like I, I don't have a top five like you do, but a couple moments that stuck out to me. One was the one you just referenced, right? This is like Dom. Like they discover that the 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 uh, what's 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 the right word for it? The um, the MacGuffin is inside of some Saudi billionaire's car that he keeps locked up in his penthouse apartment because, of course. They go. They manage to get in, right? Like you know, that's all. Fun. Like it's like a mini heist. It works pretty well. This is where Roman gets to be Roman, right? Um, Vin Diesel, like, they go to like look for this doohickey, and Vin Diesel just like picks up the car, and like like it's nothing. Have you ever tried to pick up a car, buddy? Yeah. Uh, no. I because I I appreciate my back. Yeah. Right. Like this is not a thing <laughs> that a person can do. Right. Vin Diesel does it like. Like, no one is surprised that he does this, right? Like, um, uh, then they have to get, like, they cannot find the thing underneath the car. So they jump in the car, and they start driving, and they drive from one of the towers in Abu Dhabi to another, like, out of a window, and they land on the on a floor on the second one. Apparently, the brakes are out, and they make a jump to the third tower. By the way, this was, like... I'm pretty sure this was all like subsidized by the Saudi Arabian government, right? Like the and, like after the credits, it says visit Abu Dhabi in the uh, in the Fast and Furious font, right? Like I'm I'm pretty sure this is like like th this whole scene was sponsored by the Saudi Arabian government for whatever that's worth, right? You know, uh, you know, I I, I, I actually now that I'm saying it out loud, I wonder if it's got anything to do with um, uh, with, what's what's the dude's name, the Crown MBS, the Crown Prince? Like he's apparently into like nerd shit. Right, like he loves, um, he loves like fighting games. He, he like they, the 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 Saudi Royal Fund like bought like half of SNK. Um, uh, so yeah, um, uh, but you know that's crazy. And I, th I this might be my top moment in the movie. Is you kind of glossed over it, right? Tony Jaw locks Brian in the bus. The bus skids and teeters on a cliff. Brian. Gets out of the bus, and this isn't even the crazy part, right? He does the thing where he runs up the bus to jump back onto dry, to dry land. The crazy part is, is he's not going to make it, but Letty drives up at full speed and does a, a fishtail such that the that <laughs> Paul Walker can grab the fucking fin of her car <laughs> and gets like thrown onto the land, and she pops out and she says, "You good?" <laughs> and, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a pretty good one that is a really good one and then you watch the bus fall off the cliff in just graphic there's no reason there's no reason to show this there you, you get nothing out of watching this bus fall off of the cliff other than the pure visceral just satisfaction of watching this thing plummet and crash into a fiery explosion <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. You, they absolutely didn't have to show us that, but they did. <laughs> they did. 
So yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I really like that car scene. That that's one of my favorite car scenes, probably in the whole series, just because there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens, right? Um, in terms of just like superstar driving material, um, which is like you know they're all driving in a formation because Tetch's car is armor is armored, but the rest of theirs aren't. So he's soaking up the bullets, and they're all kind of in like in a slipstream behind him. Um, there's a thing where one of the cars. Some of the cars behind them that crash actually start driving again, right? And start and start coming up behind them, which I thought was just like a neat, interesting detail that the this bus is kind of crazy in its own right. It has these um it's a it has this like little bus with miniguns in the cargo compartments. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was yep. like, I was, uh, like the doors of them. I'm like, this is like every ski bus I've been in, been on <laughs> on my life. And they've got miniguns in the cargo compartments. Yeah, the Chinatown bus from you know New York to Baltimore. You know, just opening up those. Oh, are there are there college kid backpacks? No, there's miniguns. There's three of them, and they're all shooting. And at first, the miniguns kind of are just like, okay, well, all right, that's a little contrived. But then later on in the fight, Brian is fist fighting with Tony Jaa, and he realizes. That one of the bad guy cars, which is caught up, is right in line for the miniguns. So I think he crashes Tony Jaw's face into, into the, the button, button yeah. that shoots the miniguns. And I was like, okay, you got me. Like, you know, the first time the miniguns were a little whatever. The second time, though, they're they're balling. They're great. I'm on board. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah, and, th and that whole scene starts with them falling out of the plane, which I remember people saying was, like, the crazy, epic, super cool thing. To be honest... That part doesn't do, like, this, this is part of CGI car stuff. Like, I don't super care that they drove cars out of planes and then hit parachutes and then, like, I don't know. That wasn't interesting or fun yeah, or, I, or, I or whatever. Like, like if they had actually done it, maybe I'd care. But, like, even then, like, it's not like it's, like, like it's a cool idea, but I don't think it's as impressive. Like, I don't know. I think all the other things are, you know, more impressive, right? Like. Yeah, this is sort of why I think I like the the stunts and stuff in Furious, uh, Fast and Furious Six better, right? The thing where he's driving that Formula One car and he's creating this ramp and he's ramping all of these other cars off onto the Fast and Furious crew—that's really cool, right? Like that's like a really neat way to structure a car action movie scene, right? Um, the tank, I like. I'll, I'll never stop talking about this tank pancaking cars. It's just so fun to watch. Like, every one of them. They must have gotten 100 shots of that and included every single one because there are so many shots of this tank running over a fucking car in its huge, you know, gigantic tank shreds, uh, tank shreds or whatever. And all those stunts were real, which is which is what makes them so great. Um, or not all of the stunts, but most of the stunts were real, right? Like, they actually did this stuff. Even even the stuff with the safe, right, uh, in, in Fast and Furious 5. There's a lot of that stuff that was real, right? Uh, famously, them fucking up and crashing the car into the train, even when it was supposed to go over the train, right? That's because they did the stunt, and they fucked it up, and it crashed into the train, and they had to work with it, right? I think I think that stuff comes out in Fast 5 and in Fast and Furious 6, but in, Fury, in Fast and Furious 7, um, it's not as great, even though there is that same still sort of... Um, I guess we would call it a blend. There is still that same sort of blend of Fast and Furious, uh, I don't know, crazy, crazy shit going on. Yeah, I, uh, again, par part of the thing that, like, kind of pulls it back for me is, like, even though everything in 6 is kind of ridiculous, right? A lot of it is, like, ridiculous in a way that, like, this is not how, like... There are things that could, like, theoretically have happened in a, in a lot of, like, 
in a lot of ways it's just like like such poor judgment right by like all characters involved that it's unrealistic right but like at least it's like believable right like the rock would or rather a police officer would not hold the military officer at gunpoint to let an international criminal go because you know their contact's wife was being held right like um stuff like you know like or you know they wouldn't transport the valuable chip inside of a tank and they wouldn't transport the tank with the ammunition in it right like that's all like stuff that like that wouldn't happen but it could happen right like you know even like landing on the car right that shouldn't work like that that's ridiculous it's still like I don't know. I find that more believable than things like, you know, Vin Diesel lifting up a car, uh, The Rock, uh, you know, bursting out. Like the, like the ambulance thing in particular where he, like, apparently was knew that that he needed to drive off the bridge at that moment to catch the, the drone, right? Like, again, I, I guess that particular part is like, the, I don't know. Some, some, like, some of it just crosses a line for me into something that's like, too fantastical for me to like forgive in a way um yeah like i want to remind everyone especially because it gets it gets a cute little throwback the coolest stunt in the very first fast and furious movie was the low-rise street racing cars zooming under the trailer of a tractor trailer truck right um that's that's that was the cool stunt is that they they did this thing where the street racer went under that truck and was able to drive without you know getting crunched under under the wheels um again did we got a throwback to that and it was you know sent to oblivion because uh you know paul walker goes under the you know brian puts it under the trailer they're driving for a little bit, but the trailer just happens to be carrying gigantic metal pipes, the kind of gigantic metal pipes that you know this truck is going to crash, and those pipes are going to careen behind the car as it goes, and then that exact thing happens. And you know what? I'm not even going to complain about it being super like predictable and obvious the moment that, that this stuff happens, right? But it is just like a, a, like a useful flag, a useful starting point to, to showcase kind of how far the... Uh, uh, you know how far the the series has come since it's it's his nascent days in Fast and Furious One. Yeah, speaking of which, I think we, we talked about this before the cast, but they go back to Race Wars, which was the thing <laughs> yeah. that I flagged as like oh never happening God. again, which surprised the shit out of me. It's right. I can't believe I forgot about this stuff. Honestly, there's so much about this movie that I had just completely forgotten about. Like the whole thing with Kurt Russell's character getting shot, um, and like being just this quiet badass or whatever. Like I remember Mr. Nobody existing um, and finding it just hilarious. This whole side of the fast and furious world where like Mr. Nobody is just like, he is ignoring the military advice of his like Sergeant at arms that he's probably been working with for years because he's like that Dominic Toretto. He sure got something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I actually, I need to check something real quick just because it's going to drive me crazy. Um, uh, so vamp for just a second. Okay. Um, what else do I want to, what else do I want to vamp about? Okay. Uh, so one piece that we haven't talked about all that much 
and that and that thing, it's family. Yes, true. Um, one thing we haven't That's talked about all that much. Okay, sorry, I, I figured it out real quick. Just because you you, okay. you brought it up. Um, uh, so, uh, when we're introduced to Mr. Nobody, right? He's like, I'm gonna have a beer, and he pours himself like a Belgian beer out of a keg. <laughs> Dominic says. I prefer Corona. And he, pulls, <laughs> he pulls out a bucket with two Coronas in it. And when Kurt Russell's about to get medevaced, he's like, you got to try that Belgian beer. Um, and I was curious if there was like a particular, like I thought like, you know, like um, Blue Moon is a Belgian style beer. I was like, this okay. Blue Moon, like, a, like I know at like that point it was like still kind of like new on the scene. I was wondering if they owned Corona, if they're the same company, because like famously, um, there's like there's two big, um, there's two big uh, what's it called uh, breweries. There's um, uh, uh, there's InBev Anheuser Busch InBev, and I thought that it was actually InBev Anheuser Busch. So I'm not sure what the other one is, but InBev is a Belgian company, right? Which is what I assume that that what, what, what that reference was because apparently because Corona must have been pouring like millions of dollars into this movie franchise for all like the 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 advertising. Um, I actually wonder when they got a when they got a acquired. Um, anyway, you were saying something. Sorry. Uh, the one the one other piece we haven't talked about this movie is that the makeup of the team is a little bit different. So we lost Han and Giselle, um, and we picked up Ramsey. Um, and I do love Han, and I think Han is the greatest, and I want him in every Fast and Furious movie, and it sucks that he's not in this one. Um, and I do think that there is a little bit of a hole for, for Han's kind of, like, quiet competence in a way, um, which is one of the things about the, you know, which is one of the things about the, the his place in the ensemble that works really well. Uh, but I do want to say that I also really like Ramsey, and I do think the core kind of ensemble works really well right um this is maybe some of the best sort of Rom roman and tej stuff that we get in terms of kind of the two of them having their c3po r2d2 banter um brian and dom have just like a lot of interaction here that feels really good right like one of the things i was kind of frustrated about in furious 6 was the stuff with Brian going back to the United States and kind of getting involved in this plot cul-de-sac, it splits up the team, right? And you don't get a lot of them together. Whereas, you know, Brian and Dom are spending a lot of time together in this one. Um, and then uh, I also just really like Ramsey as in addition to kind of the team as this new sort of uh, like female hacker who has a place in the Fast and Furious. She's part of the family, I guess, now, is the, you know, is the real answer. I will say that there is one piece of, um, there's one sort of, like, frustrating detail. People got really mad about this at the time, um, which was... They, they, that they blew up the Fast and Furious house. That the, the the inciting incident is that house that they got at the end of the last movie, right? Which is the Fast and Furious house where they do the barbecues and everything like that. It just straight up blows up in in sort of the opening of this movie, which felt the, to the original fans who were already a little bit mad about Justin Lin not not directing this one. It felt a little bit like a Star Wars Luke Skywalker throwing the lightsaber moment of kind of like shitting on the legacy a little bit um, of kind of the. Uh, of kind of the franchise and maybe the, maybe there's a little bit of fore foreshadowing okay but this this movement would go on to accelerate uh in in later installments um and uh and they didn't and they didn't end on a barbecue right they don't end on on the barbecue they end on a beach in the Dominican Republic now the beach scene 
is really good and it is really emotional. It's, Paul it's there to make you playing Paul Walker, right? Yes, yes. So Paul, so this all of this gets shot after Paul Walker is, uh, you know, unfortunately killed in a car accident. Um, and Paul Walker's brother is sort of his his stand-in at the moment, and he is. And one of the things that the movie does really well, by the way, is it foreshadows that Brian is going to die the whole time. It is, like, leaning really hard into this, like, Brian really wants the thrill, but he has a family and that's dangerous, and he can't be doing dangerous stuff, but, like, he, he wants to, and he's constantly talking back and forth with his, like, with his wife about it or whatever. They do a whole thing where she's like, don't do that, don't, don't say goodbye, you know, like, th this kind of stuff. And it's just, like, it's laying it on real thick that our friend Paul Walker is going to bite it, okay? Um, or our friend Brian O'Connor is, is going to bite it in, in the movie. But he doesn't. He doesn't, which I think is such a genius move because the, he actually gets kind of this happily ever after ending where, you know what? He decides he just wants to be a good fucking dad. And everybody is just sitting and they're watching. And that song plays that was, like, famous for this moment um, of, like, you know, I don't even remember what the, the song is, when I see you is again. called. Yeah, When I See You Again, yeah. And they do a montage of all of the great Paul Walker moments in, you know, the previous movies or whatever. And then they do that final scene where, where Vin Diesel walks away and they're like, you're not even going to say goodbye. And, uh, and he's like, it's not goodbye or something like that. Uh, and he's driving away and then Paul Walker drives up next to him and they do that iconic thing that later became a meme where, you know, they, they split off from, from one another and you see Paul Walker's like CGI face and it's a little bit too perfect to be real. I was going to say, I, I couldn't tell if that was CGI or if it was like, what it looked like to me was like a piece of like a shot from like a previous film that happened to be like in the right position. Cause it like, he looked very generic and he was like, right. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, not yeah. quite that bad, but it was like, Oh, this is like, this is like not, this was not filmed for this particular thing. Right. Like, there was a thing there, but you know, they did a decent job with it. Right. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was great. Um, something I read while you were going on about that, uh, that I think makes this, I can't say if it makes it better or worse. Um, InBev acquires Grupo Modelo while this movie is filming, which is maybe why <laughs> that line is in there. Like the okay. merge completes in 2013 um, because there was like antitrust action. But like, because like Paul Walker dies in 2013, right? So like, um, like that must have all happened, right? Like, uh, which I assume is, is – is, I assume that's actually a reference to the fact that, that Grupo Modelo has been acquired by InBev, which is kind of hilarious. Um, yeah. But anyway. Anyway, I feel like that's about, that's about everything for Fast and Fury – for Fury 7. Do you have anything else you want to talk about for Fury 7? Uh, let me, oh, the, my favorite line in this movie. So, end of the movie – or t t uh, towards the end of the movie, Dom – we're not sure if Dom survived – um, ramping his car off to like hang a backpack full of grenades off the helicopter. Which... Oh my god, I forgot about that. Oh my god, what a <laughs> not yes. only that, like I assumed he was gonna like pull the pin. No. Hobbs, psychically, knows that those are grenades and just shoots it. <laughs> That's what blows up the fucking <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> um but Vin Diesel's car has crashed. The Rock comes over and pulls the stuff off. This is what I was talking about, where it's like, it seems like maybe he was like, like, like he's the guy that to like first hit the car seems like a weird choice just from like a character perspective. Whatever, right? Um, 
Brian is like trying desperately to give Dom CPR. And then there were these moments where like it fits the tropes, but it's like if someone's crashed in a car crash, <laughs> CPR isn't the first like isn't the thing you're concerned about, right? You're concerned about like all of his bones being broken. Right? Well, it's, it's even worse than that. Well, okay, keep going. Well, like, <laughs> the scene's fucking ridiculous, right? As you'd expect. And then as if by the like Letty is like, you know, I remember everything. <laughs> And well, no, no, no. The thing, the thing that makes this so good is she stops the CPR. She's like, "No, fuck you, Brian. We don't need medical procedures. We need family, okay?" And then she says, "I remember everything." And Dom is like, "Oh, or no!" He actually doesn't do that because he says a lot. What was it? The line he, that he says, says, "It's about time," as if he's been <laughs> faking it this entire time. <laughs> You're right. He does say that. Yes, you're right. That is exactly you. I remember. I remember that moment because of the thing where I was just like, "That's just what he needed. He just needed a little bit of family, you know. Fucking CPR. That shit doesn't work. But family, that'll bring you out of a coma. Let me tell you. <laughs> Imagine to- faking it while having CPR performed on you. <laughs> oh my god, these movies. Holy shit. But, but this leads to my <sighs> my favorite sincere line in I think the series so far. Why didn't you tell me you were married? Well, or we were married. You can't tell someone that they love you, right? Which is just like, it just hit me. It's like, oh. And, and it actually, that, the, the thing I like about that line, it's actually pretty like real. Yeah. Like it is sincere. the realest thing. Yeah. It's, it, it's super sincere, but it's not sincere in the same way that that's the thing about street fights. The street always <laughs> wins is where it's like, it's nonsense, but he's saying it like he's reciting Shakespeare, right? This is sincere. And it actually does have a real, like a cute little message there for, for like Letty's arc where she needs to feel, you know, where she feels like he he's been pressuring her, but here's this, here's this evidence, right? Where he's like, you know, I, I didn't want to push you to this, to this point. Right. And I wanted to give you the sort of time and space that you needed in order to, to like kind of come around to it. Heart wrenching. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, we have Fast and Furious Eight, Fate of the Furious coming coming up next. What are what are some of your predictions? I don't fucking know. Is this the one? With the, is this the one with the submarine? This is the one with the submarine. Okay. Yeah. This is the one with Charlize Theron as the okay. as the bad guy. Um and. Is this the one with John this Cena is, or is that F9? No, 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 no. That's that's F9. So this is the one where Charlize Theron is the, is the bad guy. And and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not much of a spoiler because it was in all the fucking trailers. Dom is the bad guy. Oh, I do vaguely remember this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the, 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 this was the crazy. This is the crazy thing with trail with the with the trailers was um, the. Uh, there's like all of this crazy driving going on. There's this thing where there's four cars that are like drawing and quartering another car and you don't know who's inside and you're like, oh, who's the villain going to be or whatever. And then they like rip off the door or whatever with one of these cables and inside you see it's Dom and he's like fighting against the fast the fast crew and everybody was freaking out about it. So yeah, the, 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 the plot of, of Fate of the Furious includes... Some form, I like. I'm not going to spoil anything. Obviously, of of evil yeah. evil Dom yeah. fighting for the bad guys. Yeah. Evil Dom fighting for the bad guys is either he's brainwashed, but they've already done that plot, so it'll <laughs> probably be Charlie's has him over a barrel for some reason, and in the end, he ends up doing the right thing, right? Because that's like like that is like 
that is the plainest I can think this plot, like, you know, like the, the straightest <laughs> shot this plot can go. Yeah. And like, I have learned that like expecting any level of <laughs> twist or deception is a mistake. You should, in fact, expect <laughs> anti-twists. If they tell you it's a heist, it's not a heist. It's just a direct... It turns, it'll turn into a smash and grab job, right? Like, <laughs> it'll turn into, yes, it'll just turn into a smash and grab. That's a good one. What is your prediction for craziest stunt? I Somebody, like, like throws one of the, the fucking, uh, like, torpedoes, right? Like, manually or something like that? I remember that from the do you, trailer. Do you want me to answer? Yeah, okay, that was the trailer. Yeah, The Rock... Uh, oh, while driving, yeah, yes. This is before the spinoff. Okay. So the Rock, while driving in on the frozen lake with the submarine, there is a torpedo traveling across the ice, and he and he's driving with one hand, and his the the door is hanging open, and he reaches down with the other as he's sliding along the ice, and he throws the torpedo with his bare hand. <laughs> so that happens. That was in all the trailers as well, obviously. So yeah, yeah. Um. So I, I assume that, like, that whole scene is going to be the craziest stunt, right? Like, like that might, like, that might, I assume there'll be something bigger with the actual submarine, but, like, you know, I, I, I am a little bit too in tuned with this one, I think, just because, like, I was seeing enough movies that I saw this trailer, like, a bunch of times. So, yep. Um, okay, well. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and then after that, we get F9, which continues the mainline series with Dom, and then there's Hobbs and Shaw, which is, is Hobbs and the, Shaw the spinoff. Post 8 or post 9? Uh, post 8. Okay. After 8 is when the feud between Vin Diesel and The Rock gets so bad that they refuse to appear in the next movie together, uh, and Hobbs gets written out, basically. Oh, right, um, right. Because I, I remember after this, I Googled some of this. Apparently, Tyrese Gibson was mad that F9 got pushed for Hobbs and Shaw to come out. Um, oh, yeah. And then it got pushed into the pandemic, right? Uh, uh, which delayed again, like a, like a whole fucking year. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have apparently made up. Vin Diesel said, I want I want you back in the, you know, Fast and Furious series kind of thing. But uh, who knows? We'll see. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, so may maybe The Rock has learned to play a little bit nicer because this and the DC stuff didn't, like, go his way, right? Like. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want you back in the family. I kind of think that's what he fucking said. To be honest with you, hold on. I Maybe, maybe I can like look this up real quick. Uh, Vin Diesel asks The Rock to come back. Okay. Because uh, there's like an Instagram post. Um, uh, bu -bu 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 -bu. Yeah, it comes after a very public feud between the two Hollywood heavyweights in an Instagram post. God, where can I see the Instagram posts? Uh, sure. View. Oh, uh, this actually is pretty funny. It did get 2 million likes, though. Um, Vin Diesel says, My little brother Dwayne, the time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There is not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes. But the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best Fast in the finale that is 10. I say this out of love, but you must show. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs... Uh, can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Wow. That's fucking cheesy. Is, is it he, is cheesy, and I love that he called him Little Brother. Is, is he going to be in Fast 10? We don't know. Oh. We, like, it's okay? Radio, radio, he could be. Radio silence, as far as, as far as we know. So, yeah. Yeah? No, um, 
I feel like I feel like The Rock is too much of a showman to not at least do a cameo. Um, yeah, I would I would be very excited to see. Uh, the trailers for F10 are insane, by the way, um, and show a lot of stuff that has me interested. But I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything that might have happened in, in between. So we can we can we can leave it at that. Is uh, is 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 this actually the last movie in the Fast and Furious series? I don't remember. Cause, Maybe cause, is, wait, is, is there's supposed to be a, there's there's a female. I, I remember looking this up at one point before we started watching these. Um, there's like a female-led one. Um, you know, maybe. <sighs> yeah, Fast Ten. And a two-part finale planned since October 2020. Uh. Well, interesting. They're, they're, like for a, for a long time, there was like a planned female-led Fast and Furious movie, and it appears to be gone from the Wikipedia page. Huh. Yeah, I guess it is the final one. It says uh, it says finale. It's the planned finale. Um. So yeah. This one includes a bunch of. Uh, this one includes a bunch of characters. Yeah. Um, so it's called the untitled female-led film. Untitled female-led film. Um, but uh, uh, do uh, as of last year, uh, the production has not started. So may maybe it's it's been abandoned. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know if they're going to do a sequel. Yeah, so there's a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw, like, in development. Um, but that the film's production is, is stalled. Uh, there's just no conversation because it all kind of... Um, it all just kind of fell apart in, in the pandemic, it seems. Wait, is Han on the poster for Fast 10? Uh, I'm not. I, I can't. All right, I'm not gonna. Is. I'm not gonna look too hard. Yeah, uh, don't look too hard into into the 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 details. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. So we're past the hour mark. Uh, how was uh, how was your week? My week has been particularly good for one simple reason. It's because. Forge of the Chaos Dwarves got announced today. Okay, Mango. This thing I've been waiting for for the longest time, which is some more Total War Warhammer 3 content. They have told us that it's coming in April. We got the we got the announcement trailer today. Um, Forge of the Chaos Dwarves is just like the new DLC that's a new race pack. Do you know about the Chaos Dwarves? <laughs> uh, they're dwarves that like chaos? Like yeah, so, okay. So, in... in um, in Warhammer lore, right, there are dwarves, um, and the dwarves are resistant to magic, right? They have this innate resistance to magic, and they can't, they crucially cannot use their own magic. They have rune magic, which is a little bit different, but it's not like the winds of magic that, like, an elven mage would use, right? Um, it isn't to say that they can't. It's more that they don't use magic, but they can technically do so, and in doing so, they turn themselves into... They turn themselves into stone, right? It, like, literally petrifies them. Um, and they worship this bull god, like, I think his name is Hashmut, um, or something like that. Like, he's this, this like, bull god. But they're this, like, 
crazy slave society. They enslave goblins and greenskins um, in these like huge factories. And they have this like evil industrial complex thing going on uh, because the, one of their things is like crazy evil like war machines basically right like uh like war trains is a is a thing for the for the chaos storms is that they like lay train tracks and they have these trains and the trains you know move around the battlefield and they ha and you have cars on them and they shoot they have guns and all this other sort of stuff um which is crazy uh they there's been a pretty big hole in the map for a while which is called the darklands this is between Cathay in the east um and the old world on the west the Darklands, uh, which is uh, populated by ogres, uh, is also populated by the Chaos Dwarves. And right now that map is pretty empty, but like we can expect that once once the Chaos Dwarves kind of show up, it'll it'll get all of its all of its stuff. And to be honest with you, I, there's nothing crazy about really any of this, right? It is just a new, you know, like a new race pack. Uh, there's three legendary lords and a hero, which is a little bit different. They used to do four legendary lords, um, but they're doing three legendary lords and one hero just to kind of like mix it up a little bit. And they said that this is what they're going to do for releases in the future. They're always going to include a legendary hero just because, you know, like those are pretty fun. Legendary heroes, every faction, you know, has access to it. Um, and uh, and, it, and it provides a little bit of a... Um, uh, I don't know, like a like a more complete kind of baseline uh, for things or whatever. Uh, but really, all I needed to know is that there was fucking more content coming out. Like Jesus Christ, it's been six months since the since the last sort of drop of in in the in the Total War Warhammer Three bucket, which is sort of insane because they they talked about how um, you know they entered they took two teams and they put them in this parallel development thing so that they could release one DLC a quarter and then they missed the first two quarters of that, uh, which you know. Is what it is, I guess. Um, I don't really have anything more to say than that. Besides, I'm just hype as fuck. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, they announced a new CK3 DLC as well. I think they also announced a new EU4 DLC. Um, Paradox did. This is this is not related to Creative Assembly. It's just also in the grand strategy sphere of things. Um, so you know, there's that. Um, I'm also happy because today they released a developer match between uh, Zangief and. I believe her name's Marissa is the new new character. Um, do, do let me double check this. Uh, um, yeah, Marissa. Um, she's like a gladiator. Also, she's like a big buff woman. She's also like a. Um, uh, uh, she's she's also like a grappler archetype. Um, she looks interesting. Um, I don't know if I'll play her. Um, although she does look, she does look neat. Like my big characters for Street Fighter Six, which comes out in June. I think it might be the same weekend as um, uh, as Diablo. Um, my big uh, uh, characters for Street Fighter Six are looking like um, I think it's uh, JP is is the character and Zangief because you know always Zangief. Um, we'll also probably get a bunch of DLC um, at some point, but you know. It's exciting. Um, uh, Games-wise, I played a bunch of Marvel Snap and a bunch of World of Warcraft. Um, like, you know, Marvel Snap's good. Like, um, I am getting, like, it is fresh enough that, like, I keep playing it, but I am starting to get kind of, like, oh, like, the thing that I have been ruminating on for a while that I didn't really think about is that the the how do I want to put this the um the snap mechanic is like key 
right? Like, so much of the game is not about the game itself, but knowing when to cut, right? Because, like, if you're blowing somebody out of the water, they will run away and you get one cube, right? And all things considered, that's better than getting nothing. But, like, I feel like most of my, most of my playing of the game, like, there's so much randomization in the game. And it's not terrible, but it's, like, most of my skill improvement in the game over the past couple of weeks has been, like, learning when to cut and run and learning when to snap, right? Like, which is neat, but it's also, like, not exactly why I come to the game, right? Like, I'm not, you know, like, those betting mechanics are, like, cool, but it's not exactly why I want to be there, so... I don't know. Yeah, that is something. Uh, that's something Brian Kibler said. Uh, I we, I talked a little bit about what yeah. he said about Marvel stuff last week. Where he was okay, so. These these are two different things from sort of the same conversation. One of the things he was talking about was the monetization, which I talked about last week. But the other thing that he said is that it doesn't behave like a pr traditional card game in a lot of ways, right? There's no tempo, really, right? Like, there's no board control. It's not like you know you are engaging in any like minion to minion direct combat. It's all it's about building. It's about building your board while your opponent builds theirs, and you can do a little disruption and stuff like that. But like, there isn't that that direct. I'm, I'm facing off against you. My guy attacks your guy, right? Which is sort of what we would expect out of a lot of TCGs. Um, and uh, and he was talking about how bet you know like the betting is really what seems to be you know the the core sort of gameplay mechanic, right? That all of the other stuff is sort of window dressing on the question of when is it right for me to cut and run yeah no that, that that's that that is definitely about right it is interesting because there, there there is some interaction across the board state but like a lot of it tends to be like weird hard counters that like feel can feel really bad right like um like uh uh there's a two cost i think it's name, the character's name is armor or something like that basically makes the whole location indestructible right um I had initially thought when I got it, because so I got it relatively early, that this was to protect your, like, creatures from, like, a Killmonger or there's a couple of enemy destruction matches. No. Its primary use is to drop in a lane where your opponent is building up a thing that they clearly want to destroy to keep them from destroying their stuff, like, their stuff, right? Like, uh, you throw down a Carnage and it destroys everything and it gets benefits from that. You throw that down to stop that play from happening primarily right you do the same thing with cosmo which prevents on reveal effects um and those feel like a lot of like just like i get it but it's like very aggravating like counter like that is like just pure frustration play right um combine this with like the fact that like sometimes the locations can screw you depending on your deck right like wakanda is creatures are indestructible on wakanda if i'm not running a destroy deck then i don't really care Right. Yeah. Um, but if I am, it's a, it kind of weirdly hard counters it. On the other hand, there are locations that like will kill your creatures for you, which is good in destroy decks, right? Like in certain circumstances. Um, but it's it's all it's like a it's an interesting it's an interesting game. Um, you know, I'm still enjoying it. I'm also getting to the point where like I'm playing it enough that like I'm outpacing like I'm like excuse me I'm outpacing my acquisition of the free currency to like upgrade my cards which is how you like get levels and gain cards which i mean i get it that's the game but like feels kind of bad man um but you know i've been i've been enjoying it still um wow it's just been wow um 
How did you enjoy Mythics? We ran a couple of Mythics yeah, uh, over the weekend. Uh, they were fun. Um, I don't know. Nothing uh, Nothing to super write home about there. Like, I just... I don't know... Like, I don't know how hard I would stick to them um, if I kept doing it. Like, I, I might do it more, more of it casually, but, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, I just can't, like, like... The thing that, like, leads me to run, like... Like like roguelikes or whatever that like kind of like chasing perfection thing. I think I could get out of this, but it's just kind of like by the time I get around to doing them, I just like have like I'm I'm kind of, I'm not quite in maintenance mode for a while, but I'm like getting there, right? Like it's like, eh, I'll go play. Like I want to play um, what is it called um, uh the 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 music game that came out recently, like Hyper Rush or something like that. Oh yeah, sure. They got shadow dropped on uh, Game Pass. Uh, yeah. What is it called? Uh, Hi-Fi Rush. Um, it's like a rhythm action, character action game. Um, yep. So, you know, that looks like fun. I'll probably go play some of that. Cause I, like I said, I otherwise I was like playing Ragnarok. I beat all of Ragnarok, including the optional content. Um, like I platinumed it. Um, I think I did that as of last time. Um, otherwise, just been like, you know, doing stuff, right? Like... I got like two feet of snow today that I had to blow my driveway several <laughs> times. Right? Like, uh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, the the big nor'easters coming along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, um, oh, there was something I I watched on YouTube that I want to shout out. There was a new summoning salt video, which was uh, on Super Mario Brothers three. Really? Uh, yeah, I actually did not see that. The thing I've been getting really into. Do you know Coffeezilla? Have you heard of Coffeezilla? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. He is a YouTuber who like uh, reports on uh, he, the big the big break for him recently was CryptoZoo. He was talking about Logan Paul's uh, like bullshit NFT project or whatever, um, and like did a whole like investigation digging into that. He digs into a lot of this sort of like crypto adjacent scam stuff. Um, but uh, he he kind of chronicled this fall of Sam Sam Bankman Freed, uh, you know, the CEO of FTX, who would eventually go on to be arrested. I'm pretty sure um, for sort of like fraud and uh, I guess I don't know that I would call it embezzlement, but you know, sort of this unlawful way that he was moving money from one company to another, um, kind of breaking his own terms of service, right, with his customers, that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I've just been getting sucked into this rabbit hole because I kind of fucking hate crypto bullshit. Uh, and what, like, the, a guy posting videos all about, you know, crypto bullshit being dumb is is very satisfying for me right now. Yeah. No. I so the Sam Bakerfield Freed thing was that um, it wasn't. What he did was is he, um, basically they had this. So I I know about this. I so so. I guess disclosure, I hold a small amount of cryptocurrency. Um, none of the kind of like, well, I guess I do hold some shit coins. I hold like Doge and Shibu, you know, but that's mostly because it's cheap and I thought it would be funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, like all of my like real holdings are in, um, are, are in Ethereum. Um, but um, uh, Sam Bakeman Freed ran FTX, which was a uh, large um, exchange. They also had another arm, which I believe is like a research thing, uh, which is called Alameda. Alameda Research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Alameda, like they were basically owned in the same structure, and Alameda minted its own coin. And FTX was using Alameda's coin 
to backstop its like as reserves for its own currency, which is like, and also was like using their depositors' money like for things. This is like all big no nos, right? Like, there's a reason FTX was not licensed to uh, operate in America, which we're considering there was like a Super Bowl ad, right? Um, quite famously. Um, but like, I know a lot of the the more serious crypto people, the people who are like, like, like excited about like, not like the NFT part of it, but like, you know, like essentially using blockchain technology to guarantee certain things or like, you know, make mm -hmm. um, like one of the more compelling uses for crypto is not in America. It's in like Vietnam where like the banks are totally unreliable and crypto is right. So like, you know, crypto is like mathematically reliable. Right. Um, and so like, um, Basically, there was some evidence that Sam Bankman-Fried was, was kind of trying to use his – like, he was donating lots – like, he may have violated tons of campaign finance laws, um, basically dealing out of both hands, trying to essentially push regulation in a direction that would favor him, which is kind of, kind of like a classic, like, captured government move. Um, but it's interesting you bring up CoffeeZilla because I, I just looked him up. He is the same guy that does Coffee Break. Did you know that, like uh, – did you know about him when he got into, like, a spurt with, like, Kurtzkazat? Kurtzkazat? No way! Is he the guy that was like Kurtzkazat is like laundering? He like stole my billionaire. No, no, Kurtzkazat stole my uh, stole my idea for like a, a video. Or something. Oh, okay, okay. This is yeah. So the thing with Kurtzkazat was, I'm sorry, there was like a this was very dumb drama. It was like a, it was basically an attack from sort of the left on Kurt, Kurtzkazat that was like Kurtzkazat is it says it's very scientific, but all it does is using like billionaire think tank stuff to you know do whatever, and the science is bad. And then Kurtzkazat was like, actually, our science is good. You can shut the fuck up. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> which was a pretty sad. I like them a lot. I like them a lot because uh, completely unrelated reasons. Because of their they they've they've done a lot of really useful videos on nuclear power. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which is uh. Yeah. If if anything, I they are less bullish on nuclear power than I would like them to be. But I think they've done a a, a, a decent job. I, I watch Kurtzkazat. Um. I actually stopped watching. I used to watch when when his primary channel was was Coffee Break. I used to watch Coffee Break. And then when the Kurtzkazat thing happened, I'm like, well, you you're an unreliable narrator. I don't. I'm not interested in watching your stuff anymore. Um. Uh, but yeah, very cool. That that is super interesting. Um, uh, the thing I wanted to shout out um, because people I know people in the audience are uh, potentially Magic the Gathering players. There, so I, I want, Card Market is a card retailer, um, but they have a YouTube channel. Um, and let me see if I can find this. They did this game. They have this game that they um, play called Judge Tower. Uh, which is essentially this giant deck and they deal everybody cards and you basically have to play everything in your hand, like at the minimum possible time. And if you don't, you're out. Um, and like, theoretically there's like a, like, you know, you can reduce someone to zero on top of all of that. Like, you know, you can play it traditionally, but, uh, it doesn't like, um, like every, like at least in the games they were playing, everybody gets called out before that. It was like super, I found it super compelling from like a ticky tacky mechanicals perspective, because it's like, what can you do when and like they, they do some of this stuff too, where it's like, um, uh, one of their guys they have on staff is a pro player. Um, uh, they're like based somewhere in Scandinavia, but um, uh, they'll like play a game with like they'll they'll like basically map out a game like they'll be playing a game together, but it's like a scripted game, and they'll ask the the pro has to like call out the rules violation when it happens. Um, 
I find that stuff super fun. So I, I want to shout out uh, Card Market. Um, they're not a super huge channel, right? Like they're like no, they're not. They're not nothing, but like they are a. Uh, uh, you know, they're a. Uh, how many subscribers? They have like seventy-seven thousand subscribers, right? Like not a huge channel, but you know, they sell magic cards. So, um, I will. I'll put a link in the description. I will link it to you, buddy, in case you are you're interested in watching it at some point. Um, but yeah, that and the, uh, and the, what's it called? Um, oh yeah, that and the, uh, uh, the, the speed running, the Super Mario 3 speed running video were, uh, my big videos for this week, my big YouTube videos. Um, I did at some point, like, go through the looking glass on the summoning salt video. I'm like, what am I fucking watching? It's like people shaving like seconds off of like Super Mario Brothers three runs. I don't even like, you know, like speed running. I just like watching summoning salt videos. And it's like, is this like a good use of my time? Ultimately, I decided it was, but like you know, it is kind of like, uh, is kind of uh, a little bit weird. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's it's been a while since we um, uh, we got a summoning salt video. I feel like. Um, but maybe I just like haven't been paying attention because I'm looking back on it. The last one I actually watched was the history of new super Mario's, uh, new super Mario Bros. Wii U. I didn't watch the Lego star Wars or the Mega Man two or the Mario Kart double dash shortcuts. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you know who Eddie Burback is? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he's the... I just watched a video of his, the Ghost Kitchen Yeah, the video. Ghost Kitchen. That was the other one I was going to bring up. I, like, I don't regularly watch him, but he... So I watch Tom Scott, and Tom Scott, like, shouts out people in his, like, newsletter to watch, and he linked the Eddie Burback Ghost Kitchen video, which I thought was super interesting. Um, that's, like, crazy. Like, that, you know, that, that, that whole kind of, like, world of, like, uh, you know, like... The, I, I will put a link in the description. I recommend you go watch it. Um, if, if you're, like, looking on your food app, right, there are a bunch of restaurants that are probably not real restaurants, especially if you're in, like, a major city. Like I You want to know what the funny thing is? He's He lives near me because he met, he references a bunch of restaurants in the video, and I'm like, those are all the ghost kitchens that show up on my Grubhub. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know exactly where he is and what he's talking about. Maybe you'll see him on the street one day. And, yeah, for and real. Now that you've shaved off your beard, he'll think you're some like weird deranged super fan that is tracking down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he has that big mustache. He actually has this look, which is like a thick mustache and a, yeah. and a short beard, right? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's been growing his hair out too, right? Like he he used to have a shorter cut here. He was like, like he moved out there with like Gus Johnson before Gus Johnson got in like, you know, got into the shit for like pressuring his girlfriend to get an abortion, which is like a whole thing. Yeah, YouTuber drama. Hey, YouTuber drama. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a, there's some other new stuff that, that that cropped up. Did you see any of the ten point one stuff for? Uh, wow, not really. No, uh, tell me about it. Well, so they announced ten point one. This is the next patch. It's called Embers of Neltharion. Um, there is a big giant underground cavern beneath the Dragon Isles, and we go down there, and we you know are are chasing kind of after the the incarnates as they're doing their shit, and we're um it's it's all the normal stuff, a new Mythic Plus season, a new raid, all of all of you know new outdoor world content stuff. Uh, but there are some really neat updates that are that are coming in there. Uh, the chief among them is um 
a change to how items get upgraded where now, you know, so you have valor, you have storm sigils or whatever. You have kind of like all of this upgradable gear um, where you get it at a certain eye level and then you can pump a certain number of resources into it to kind of like upgrade that. They are actually making a universal system that covers all types of content um, except for PVP, um, which says basically, uh, you know, you get, some of this, you get some of that, you put it together and you can upgrade this piece of gear a certain number of times um, in order to kind of like make it better, which I think is going to be really interesting because it's going to mean that people, we, we kind of are going to be a little bit of what season four of Shadowlands was like when it came to raid, um, where we had, um, you know, upgradable raid pieces with the, um, uh, God, what was that called? <sighs> God, what were those things called? Yeah, whatever. They were they were called some of these things um, that allowed you to upgrade like a normal piece of gear to a heroic piece oh, of right. gear. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Th yeah. Th those things. Yeah, I think all that stuff being folded into one is really neat. Um, and another thing that's really neat about it is there's a crazy alt catch-up as part of it, which is that if you have a character that has upgraded a slot to an item level, all upgrades on any character that are below that item level slot are 50% off, basically, right? Oh, wow. So when Baron, like, right, like for instance, right now, Baron is pretty maxed out. Baron is pretty much to the nines, right? Um, I've got 415 at least in every single slot, 418 crafted in a lot of slots, and 421 in a couple of slots off of the Great Vault, right? Um, and the interesting question is... Uh, a little bit. Um, when it comes to um, when it the, the when it when it comes to sort of playing around with my alt a little bit, you know, like how easy is it going to be to gear? You know, Kruva, for instance, is sort of the the main alt that I've been playing on the side. Kruva and Baron have been kind of going up at the same at the same pace because I play the two of them pretty interchangeably. Um, they're basically as good you know, as capable as one another, as viable as one another in the, in, you know, the content. Um, and so, uh, I just think that that stuff is interesting. Uh, and, and I guess we'll kind of see where it goes. They also announced a new, a new Hearthstone expansion today. Uh, the first Hearthstone expansion of the new year, though we don't know any details about the core set, uh, which I'm interested in because I don't love this meta at the moment. Uh, and I'm hoping that I can get back into some, you know, control warrior goodness, uh, in, in sort of an updated meta game that, that kicks out a bunch of the old cards that are not super great or important um but the new the new set is called like the legends of azeroth concert or something like that and the and the idea is it's like eurovision but for uh, wow yeah like the elite torn chieftain is 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 like holding an american idol and there's one band and genre of music for every class in the game uh so like death knight is heavy metal um warriors rock music uh uh i think folk like hunter is folk music right priest is pop music like k-pop um and uh, and there's just like that's cute. That's like a cute idea for a Hearthstone expansion. This is the kind of shit that Hearthstone is like perfect at, in my opinion. Uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see how that how all of that goes and progresses. All right, I've been actually meaning to bring this up for several weeks, but I keep forgetting. Have you done the um, the vault quest line that when you get enough um, uh, uh, rep with the Dragon Scale expedition? Oh, God, I've done everything except for the capstone. I've not done the final quest, which I have unlocked. I just haven't gone through it yet. Have you gone into the vault? No, I think that's what is in that quest. Oh, man, I've got a prediction for it, so 
Um, oh, interesting. Okay, you know what I'll do? I will play through that quest line, and we'll talk about it. Okay. God, we won't talk about it next week, because we'll be at PAX. Well, uh, next, next Monday is not PAX yet. Next month. Oh, that's true. Next Monday, because I leave on Tuesday. Next Monday uh, is Shazam. Yeah, so next, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, oh my God, Shazam. Fuck, yeah, okay, yeah, let's go. All right, well, uh, with that cliffhanger, um, that's probably a good place to end it. Um, okay. If you'd like to uh, tell us what you thought about this episode, you can reach us at subdirtsplaygames.com or podcast at subdirtsplaygames.com. You can watch, it, watch us at twitch.tv slash subdirtsplaygames or uh, youtube.com slash at games where these go out live. Uh, rate reviews wherever you find podcasts. We've got a Patreon. We've also All the links will be down in the description. Buddy, do you have anything else you're looking to promote? Uh, I guess I will talk about a little bit. We are, you know, Aquapar Games is going to be at PAX East uh, next week. Uh, we're showcasing five games at our booth, which has a number that I don't remember, um, and, including two new projects that have yet to be seen that we're revealing at PAX, which is pretty sweet. Are, are um, you going to be so, in, like, yeah. the indie circus? Is that still a thing that's happening? Uh, so the indie mega booth is not happening, okay. um, which was what it was before, which was one giant section that got like sort of cut so off into, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do think we're in just like a section with a bunch of other indies because, you know, we've got our, you know, we actually have a pretty big booth. It's 30 by 10 this year. Ooh. Um, so there's a bunch of, nice. a bunch of stuff happening. Very cool. Very uh, cool. the Zoetti demo, the Estrella demo, um, and, uh, Rain World will all be will all be playable, and then we also have this thing called the Aquapara Pax Port, which is a um, if you play all of the demos, um, it's sort of like a, it's almost like one of those like subway you know card things, like you play ten games or whatever. It's like if you play the demos, if you come to the booth, you 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 play the demos, you kind of get entered to win in, in sort of like a raffle thing. So you know, good stuff. I'm lugging all of that into the fucking airport, and I want to shoot myself. So what, what, yeah, what is please the price? take advantage. <laughs> just like a bunch of merch we just have like a ton of merch in the office and we were like let's just like take everything we're gonna throw it in a fucking suitcase and we're gonna we're gonna bring it to PAX and give that give that shit away it's every day at 5pm is when is when we do that giveaway cool. um, which is an hour before the floor closes so yeah very cool alright well with that I'm gonna say until next time dear listeners until next time loyal listeners <laughs>